You are listening to the Women's Health Practitioner Podcast. I am Dr. Sarah Wilson, naturopathic doctor, business owner, and practice mentor. And I am on a mission to change how women access healthcare and to change the lives and businesses of the practitioners who are delivering that healthcare. On the Women's Health Practitioner podcast, we are going to dive into the latest evidence that you need to know to provide your patients with the highest standard protocols. We are also going to talk about business principles, mindset challenges, and all of the things that are holding you back from giving yourself and your patients the best possible experience. I cannot wait to dive into the behind the scenes of how I support and educate both my patients and practitioners and bring you the latest and greatest in things that you need to know to thrive and to help your patients to do the same. Sit back, relax, enjoy the listen, and I cannot wait to hear from you in the reviews and also on Instagram. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. Um, I hope that you guys have enjoyed the last couple chatty podcasts. Today is going to be another one of those, um, and actually the next few days as well, because I want to set a new standard and a new kind of stage for what we're going to talk about here now that I have a voice again. <laughs> so for those of you guys who have followed along on Instagram, um, I have been sans voice for two weeks. Um, so the fact that now I have some semblance of one back uh, has really just bottled up this huge desire to share um, and a few other reasons to why my heart was reignited around this podcast that we'll get into in today's episode. But um, one of the big things and kind of big updates, because I think updates are always, always fun, um, is that we just did a huge update. So we being uh, my assistant and I just did a huge research update on everything women's health, right? We went through the kind of 12 most common conditions that we see from thyroid dysfunction and PCOS um, all the way down to reproductive immunology, dysfunction, vulvodynia, vaginismus, vaginal microbiome, gut health. Like we really dug deep into so many different aspects and reviewed the literature. And this is something that I do every couple of years. I really overhaul and revamp all of my programs because when you have an evidence-informed lens, which we'll talk more about today, to your practices, um, I think it's really important to stay up to date and to know what's actually going on with your patients. And that is foundationally what I pride myself in, is providing you guys with timelines and tools and things that you know work. And I will always ground in evidence, um, but there are also a ton of things in our profession that we know work really well um, that don't have RCTs behind them. And so we'll always talk about mechanisms and the understanding about why those things are the case. So that is one update. Other updates we have um, is advanced women's health is really rapidly growing over here. So we now have a headquarters in Kingston. Um, plus we have another Toronto clinic. We will have two clinics, two additional ones. Um, spoiler alert on where those ones are going to come out. Um, or I guess just a 
giving you, waving the flag that those ones are going to come out. I'm not going to talk too much about it. Um, one of them is going to be in BC though. So that is very exciting. Any BC docs, if you want to <laughs> reach out to me, I will be recruiting very soon, uh, for our clinic, which is amazing. So I'm going to spend a lot of time on here talking about that as well. I don't think like when I recently was at a, a naturopathic conference, which kind of spurred another huge passion for this conversation again. It was very clear to me how intimidated we are still by the business of the medicine and by the overwhelm and letting ourselves be overwhelmed and all of those pieces. And it's an area that I am so passionate about. Um, it's an area that I think I'm pretty decent at, <laughs> right? If I have four clinics, then let's hope. Um, but it is something that I'm constantly cultivating as well and learn so much from other people around. And so that will never be 100% the focus of this podcast. I want to keep it in clinical relevance for you guys. So again, talking about mindset clinically, talking about protocols, talking about research. I literally have probably about 12 research articles that I can't wait to share over here that I've been putting off. Um, and so now that our research update is done, um, I really am feeling like I want to dedicate a lot of that energy back to the sharing. And that's 2023's goal for me is sharing and building. It was 2021's goal. And then 2022, I had a baby. Um, and I also had multiple business babies. Um, and so we revamped our entire protocol, which plays into an announcement that I'll have later this week. Um, but it's just been a year of growth. And next year, it's really, again, that kind of outward facing year of sharing. And that is really important that we talk about because so many people look at me and my business and what we're doing and they're like, wow, she does all of the things at all times. But as I just said, I am unapologetically and intentionally focused on things when I'm focused on them. I'm focused on my family at all times. And then my businesses this year got to focus on building. My businesses next year get to focus on promotion, get to focus on sharing, get to focus on just even in advanced women's health, right? Having a much stronger give strategy behind the businesses. Because when people come into our world, you deeply feel our passion for giving and our generosity with knowledge and attention and time and our customer service experience and all of those things. And we're so intentional about that. But from the outside, people don't know what they're missing. <laughs> and so I think our job as business owners is to let people know what they're missing. And so that's going to be a huge theme of the year. Um, so all of that is coming. But that is a preamble because that is not what I came on here to talk about today as usual. Um, what I came on here to talk about today was something that I witnessed. So I, as I said, I recently went to a naturopathic conference and I was so excited to see people in person. Um, and so many of you guys, right? So many of my students and it's like people who I've never seen who listen to my Life Labs talks, who listen to um, me lecture for free, who listen to um, my courses and I know their names, but I've never seen their faces were there. And so it was just so, it was such a beautiful space. Like I was laughing. There was um, a person who ran across the conference hall. I was like, Sarah, I love you. And I was like, who are you? <laughs> right. Um, but as much as that conference was beautiful and re-engaging with people is beautiful and so exciting. Um, it was also 
very interesting experience because we haven't been together as a profession in oh, three years, let's say. And there's a lot of division that's happened within our medicine during that time. It came up during sessions when people were picking fights. It came up in the conference halls where there was hostility between one person and another person. Um, it just, it came up in a lot of spaces. And now, Again, our profession will always have different components to it. Every profession does. Our profession will always have people who unite and people who want to sit in their own camps. That's fine. It was just tangibly different this year. And it really, it was really sad to be completely honest. Like I love our profession. I love the power that we have. I love how much we can help our patients and how much we can help each other. And I love watching the potential for growth within our profession. I don't love watching the burnout. I don't love watching people feel isolated. I don't love watching people feel like success is not for them. I don't love watching people feel like they have to choose one camp or the other. And that is what I saw. Again, not to, not everyone, but there were more people than I expected in those different camps. And so I wanted to bring attention to it because the big question becomes, how can we unify our profession to end clinical isolation, to allow people mentorship and support, to allow people the feeling that they can come together and share and depend on one another? Like, it was, there was someone who came up to me and she was so sweet. And she was like, I honestly feel so bad asking you this question, but like, I feel like you'll know the answer. And I've been struggling with this for months now. And I just, I don't know who else to ask. And I was like, first and foremost, ask away. Second of all, I'm deeply sorry that you feel like you have to struggle. Right. And she was like, my business is not successful. I don't know what to invest in. I'm just struggling. And we had a really huge mindset conversation. We had a really huge conversation again around making sure that your energy is in a space where you are giving your business the potential to be successful. If you're constantly in scarcity, you're constantly in lack, you're constantly burnt out and overwhelmed. And again, I see a lot of non-colleague, quote unquote, clinicians who are patients and they're driving themselves into the ground. They're either not successful and burning out and losing sleep over it. And again, sometimes they're excellent clinicians. They're just not, they're not getting the patients and they're not retaining them, right? And then there's the other piece of the puzzle where there's people who don't have the clinical skills behind them as they're getting patients in and they're not retaining them. And both of them are equally as hard. And I want to acknowledge and recognize that both of them are equally as hard. But in both of those situations, you have to look at yourself. You have to look at your energy. You have to look at your time. You have to look at what you are in integrity with. You have to look at surrounding yourself. Again, whether it's just listening to this podcast, whether it's listening to someone else's podcast, whether it's talking to friends, surrounding yourself with people who are in the energy you want to be in. In my clinics, um, we always joke that like someone's schedule will clear and I'm like, what did you do? Like, what's going on? Are you okay? Are you feeling burnt out? Are you doing like really successful? And so now you're struggling with paperwork or struggling with patient questions, right? Like we have conversations at that level because again, Sometimes we swing from completely full week, completely empty week, and that's all systems and mindset challenges and oftentimes protocol and efficiency challenges, which is why I'm so passionate about including all of those conversations in one space. But 
going back to the conference, what really came up was not only the burnout and the overwhelm um, and the isolation and the like the who's doing great and who's struggling conversation, but also this deep divide between the quote unquote traditional naturopathic therapies and the research-based and evidence-based naturopathic therapies. And there was a lot of discussions as if it was one or the other. There was a lot of discussions where it was like, okay, if it's got research on it, we use it. Um, And if there's no research on it, we don't use it. And again, that's a great approach for some people. There was also the complete opposite discussion where it was like, it doesn't matter. We just, we, we look back to the 1800s and traditionally this is what we did and this is what worked. And we, we use that. And I'm really passionate about a middle, right? We know that we can unify both sides, right? You can use cold water therapy and you can use castor oil packs. And it's, I always joke about like the liver detox because for a bajillion years, I was like, a liver detox is blah, 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 blah. Like, why does it matter? And this, that, and the other thing. <laughs> and then we get more and more research that comes out and it's like, oh yeah, your liver does affect your thyroid directly. And this does affect this. And all these liver detox nutrients, quote unquote, um, are directly impacting this compound, which is affecting insulin signaling. And it's again, should our body be able to detoxify on its own? For sure. But we live in a really toxic world. And when there's dysfunction, who are we to not introduce some of those therapies just because again, we're sitting in the ego of it, which was me. I can say all of this because I could see myself in it in the past, right? Um, but it's again, it's it's looking at, okay, so interesting. We know cold water therapy worked in the past. And now we have research in 2022 that's showing the therapies, like how cold water therapy helps with trauma and nervous system regulation, how it helps with the immune system and perception of pain. So we could have gone on for years and said, oh no, there's no research on it or there's no research on it. Let's, I'll use myself as an example. There's no research specifically on cold therapy in endometriosis as an RCT, but there is research in other inflammatory conditions. And so I was like, okay, cool. I see the mechanism. I see substance P. I see nervous system regulation. I see the understanding of, again, so many aspects of retraining that can be applied to endometriosis, even though the research has not been done. Therefore, I try it. It worked for me. I recommend it to a couple other patients. It worked for some of them. It didn't for others. I was like, okay, cool. What about those people? Made it not work for them. Okay, cool. There's a TCM constitution in some of them. Interesting. Let's apply that lens, right? It's That's how you do medicine, I think. Not only in the naturopathic world, but also when we're looking at like a conventional medical model. How many drugs are used off-label, right? How many drugs are used off-label? There is research on the use of Effexor for hot flashes, right? That is not an on-label use of that medication uh, as per my knowing. (laughs) And if it is, it's not frequently used, right? But we use medications off-label all the time because of a research study that came out, because of things that come out. And I think we've forgotten that, right? We can look to what works, deeply what works and then we can see if there's research or evidence to support its use and if there's not today and it still works let's not hedge away from it let's continue to use it continue to do practice research right I do research in my practice all the time with patients 
right? And you say, okay, everyone with this similar condition, we're going to give you this similar protocol. We're going to standardize our understanding of what your symptoms are coming in, coming out. Like we can do all of these things. And then we can either publish that literature, which I will do at some point in my practice, especially as advanced women's health grows, or we can just use that internally. And I share that with you guys, right? Of Okay, well, this protocol has worked in hundreds of people. So that's probably good enough to start with with your patient. The other piece to this puzzle that is always so important to talk about is that women's health research will forever be underfunded, forever be underfunded, right? And so we need to extrapolate based on logical mechanisms of action. And we need to extrapolate based on the research that we have in similar conditions so that we can be advancing care for our patients. I will never be okay with only offering what is available in a limited scope of research because for me, that will forever represent me limiting my patient's access to health and healing. There is always someone who's using a substance before it is sexy. And I will forever choose to be that person and choose to share about that information because that is, in my mind, one of the most important things that we can do for our patients is not wait 10 to 17 years, right? For research to be done applied again and again and again and again and again, and then become a part of our clinical standards. I am just not ever going to be okay with women waiting that long. I am not okay with a woman waiting 10 to 15 to 20 years to get a diagnosis. And I will never be okay to wait for her to have the help on the other side of it. And I'm not saying, like this is again, this is not me picking sides. This is not me saying that people who only want to use tradition are are okay with that or people who only want to use RCTs are okay with that. You do you. Do whatever works for you. But it's also really important that I take a stand for what works for me and that so that you guys know what you're getting coming in. Because the other thing that no one's talking about that I think I'm going to do an entire conference series on next year is what are we doing to our patients who don't have a diagnosis, which is 70% of the people who walk into my practice, their diagnosis is I don't feel well. I don't feel like myself. People are telling me I am crazy, right? Or they're given a diagnosis that is not accurate, right? If you are just taking someone's diagnosis at face value and you're giving them some kind of intervention that has research in that thing and it's not working, you need to look at, is that the diagnosis? How many patients do we have? Again, and this is clearly, I've been doing a lot of research in this area because I'm an intensive coming up, but Clearly, there is issues with if someone is given a diagnosis of IC, right, for example, and they actually have endometriosis, the IC treatments are not going to take care of the endometriosis and we need to properly distinguish that. If you have a patient with non-congenital adrenal hyperplasia and you're treating them for PCOS, that's not going to work for you, right? But also, again, when you have a patient who comes in who generally doesn't feel like themselves, who is never well since an incident, never well since an exposure, never well since a pregnancy and no autoimmunity can be found, etc. Where do you go with that? If you don't understand the foundations of health, if you don't understand that there are really five to seven causes of disease and you can treat a patient with a constellation of two or three of those things and get them on their way to improvement, 
right? Then you are always going to be at risk of churning patients because they will come find another practitioner who knows how to navigate this space of unknown, this space of chronic and complex interactions between the hormones and the immune system and mitochondria and insulin and the gut microbiome and all of these pieces because that's health. We are all sitting in the itty bitty shitty committee where we're in this space where there's so many changes to our environment. There's such a huge mismatch between our environment and our genetics and our bodies. And if you are ignoring that whole area, then you are not going to get the majority of your patients better, right? And you're not going to have the confidence to be able to say to them, okay, we're going to try this. If this doesn't work, we're going to go here. You should expect to see this difference in four weeks and this difference in three months. And we're going to use these labs to monitor our progress. And if I hit a wall, I know I'm going to have a ton of mentorship and support behind me because that is how our profession works. Our profession works where we support each other, we grow, we build on everyone's learning. Like every single person I talked to at that conference, every single person, I took a pearl from our conversation and I was like, interesting, how could I apply that to my approach? How could I think about that differently? How could I incorporate this piece of knowledge into my systems, my structures, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? Because that's how it works. Our profession needs to work together. Every profession needs to work together. I hear this from nurse practitioners. I hear this from MDs. I hear this in so many different spaces. We are never going to end clinician burnout, lack of confidence, overwhelm. We're never going to end the burden on the medical system. We're never going to end this deep sense of a need for change and not knowing how to, to navigate it if we are still forcing ourselves to choose one side or the other, if we're forcing ourselves to say, I'm only looking at homeopathy or I'm only looking at RCTs. That is not where medicine lives. I, fa- I firmly believe that is not where medicine lives. And so I am going to continue to expand on this conversation over the course of the next week because I have not had a voice for two weeks and I have a lot to say here, but I just really wanted to reinvigorate the energy around this podcast, uh, the energy around what we have potential to learn and implement and do when we are in community, because that is what I deeply saw that we need on the other side of that conference. And I'm sure many others that I will see this year. So I am so excited to keep sharing all of this with you guys. We're going to expand on all of these concepts over the next little while. Um, But in the meantime, have a beautiful day. And I hope that you feel the energy that I am trying to send through this microphone. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, I would love a review because that is how more people find out about us and ultimately get well. If you are a medical practitioner and you're interested in taking one of my courses to learn how to implement these research strategies, see naturopathicmentorship.com. If you're a patient, we have a couple of options. I can try to hook you up with one of my trained practitioners Or alternatively, if you have a practitioner you love, I do offer one-on-one consults about your case to support that practitioner in learning further. For more information on these strategies, see the show notes. And finally, if you just want to keep in touch, I am always active on Instagram and Facebook, and I look forward to connecting with you there. Have a great day and be well.